This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello out there, disaster divas. Uh, Jordan Cruciola here again. We would never leave you hanging adrift in the black. Uh, once again with my co-host. Amanda Smith. And today we are we are taking it into the made-for-TV annals. At least I'm pretty sure this was made for TV, even though I'm not watching it with commercials. It kind of seemed like it had them spliced in there. Today is the Eric... Balfour special, which I feel like should tell you a lot about the vibe. Uh, we are discussing Dino Shark. Balfour versus Dino Shark. Yeah, that's the that's really what it is. That's what the movie's about. Balfour versus Dino Shark in the city of Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, it's I, and that's really you know when you want to give the summary, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, there is a Dino Shark. It is menacing Puerto Vallarta, and uh, the only man who can stop it is Eric Balfour. That's Eric it. Balfour That's wearing sunglasses that very much look like sunglasses Eric Balfour would wear. Yeah, and there's no way to prove that he didn't just roll up onto this set and was like, you need a leading man? I'm him. Let's shoot. I'm him. And then they just started filming. Like, there's no way to know for sure, but I would assume that there was no casting process. He just appeared. Right, because as we know, he plays Trace McGraw. So if that is the way things went, I do hope he showed up and offered a character name himself. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a Roger Corman production. This is like produced by Roger Corman, who does appear in this movie as Wait, a what? scientist named Dr. Frank Reeves. Yes, the little like tottering old man over his microscope is Roger Corman. Oh my god, I did not put that together. Yeah, yeah. I was like, he's gotta be involved in this somehow. So I kept because I saw it was very loudly advertised on the uh on the thumbnail image for Dino Shark. And so I kept my my eye out for him and checked the credits and such. And there he is, Dr. Frank Reeves, uh, Dino Shark, part-time Dino Shark investigator. Yeah, Dino Shark expert, the world's preeminent Dino Sharkologist. You need one. You need yeah. at least one. Look, if there's going to be a Dino Shark, someone's got to study it. And uh, <laughs> in this case, it's going to be Roger Corman. In the way that, th- like, this movie was made in 2010, uh, this movie came out in 2010, and in the way that this movie looks like the late, the way this, the movie this looks like the late aughts in the way that the Tyler Hecklin movie looked very much like that era as well. Like, the men are dressed exactly like you would imagine these um, sort of, like, local tourism folks like uh trace mcgraw is driving like a scuba tour boat and his friend Luis is running a bar and they wear like cut off sleeve shirts and cargo shorts and the women wear like unpractically small things all the time there is not a kneecap of a man to be seen and there is not (laughs) a sleeve on a man to be seen it's a really it is a fascinating like look back at just how weird the social norms were for men in a very specific way. The whole thing, like I could the whole thing you could just smell like the Abercrombie cologne on it. 
Oh, very much so. Yeah. And and um, Eric Balfour is wearing those like pseudo Oakley sunglasses, the kind of like almost thin profile shield look. Yeah, and good, good old wraparounds. Yeah, and he has his signature Eric Balfour facial hair. And it's just like seeing the completeness of his look was very much like, oh, good. They didn't take away what makes Eric Balfour Eric Balfour in this role. And that's what I need from him when he's on screen. Yeah, you don't bring in Eric Balfour to make him anyone but Eric Balfour. That's the thing. Yeah. And he he he's he's back in Puerto Vallarta after an extended sort of um, time away, it seems. And but it sounds like he was raised there. His dad was in the U.S. Navy and and um, located on a base there. So he like he mixes it up with the locals. The movie incorporates him like he's speaking Spanish to his friends and using local terms of endearment. And it was weird. Like, uh, that didn't bother me. I, I thought that was a nice touch. But it was funny how everyone still seemed pretty much non-native Mexican. Like, everyone. Oh, yeah. Like, no, every it was, extra it, was, of course, white. And all of his friends, it was like, none of you seem, none of none, this, I'm lacking an authenticity of the folks born and raised here that is coming out for some reason, especially in Eric Balfour. Like, he was the most... Puerto Vallartan person in the cast somehow. Yeah, there was, in terms of the reality of it, like it was this weird little almost sub subsection of expats is kind of the vibe. Because yeah. like, okay, with Carol, yeah. we found out that she was an expat. I think Luis is supposed to be like a local, but Luis absolutely felt like um, just like a, a, a surfer up in Santa Cruz or something. Yeah. Like there was nothing... Um, it was, it was definitely, and there was the Australian dude. Was he Australian or did he just I speak think he weird? Was meant to be, yeah, I think he was meant to be Australian. Yeah, there was a heavy, like, expats and, like, colonizers vibe. Yeah. Like, everyone we were rooting for. And was- rooting against. There was yes. also, like, the, the, the hotel owner, the creepy rapist hotel owner. Or, not rapist. You know, that's not fair. That's exaggerating. He was just a casual sexual harasser. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Rapey. Rapey, to Rapey. be sure. But can um, use the sexual harassing uh, hotel owner with, like, foreshadowing Donald Trump by walking in on girls in a locker room. Um, they were all – there was a lot of, lot of white expats. It really – it could have been located to me in, like, a college town in Florida, and it would have yeah. tracked just as well. But I liked the Puerto Vallarta setting. Why not? Give yeah. me some some casual bongos that they kept playing as filler. Why not? It did, um, you know, with our – we don't have a geophysicist in this movie, which it wouldn't really apply, but I understand that they can do basically anything, as we've been taught to, to understand. Um, but Carol Brubaker mm. is – A renaissance is, woman. Yeah. She is, as I understand it, a specialist in marine – life in marine biology but is also teaching a local water polo team and also the rapey resort manager guy offers her a job heading like social coordination at the resort which would seem to have nothing to do with what we're told about what she does and what she studies 
And it, it was just like, I don't, I didn't really get a full sense because she was there, she'd been there for a year and like, didn't she come down to do research and her parents were both scientists and like, she was steeped in the life of a scientist and really they didn't give her, and for me, they did not give her enough, especially in the made for TV setting, like in intensely ambiguous science jargon to use in, in discourse. Yeah. Who was it? No, she didn't. She didn't speak scientist. I did fully. No. I did fully believe um, the sexual harassing boss would offer her a job as social <laughs> coordinator. Like, why not? But yeah, not just the why not, but I do fully believe that he'd be like, "Oh, you're a woman. You don't really science. Yeah, why don't you, you come. Why don't you come handle a like? You can leave your job as a scientist that you've dedicated your whole life to studying yeah. and getting like potentially getting advanced degrees." Come to my hotel and yeah. work on social events. You plan parties, right? You're yeah. a lady. Yeah, do woman things now. So that as soon as it happened, I was like, yeah, that is the sort of job he would offer her, um, and that she would like politely be like, I need to think about it. While in her head, just the whole time thinking to herself, you fucking asshole. Yeah, figuring out in her head how to strategically avoid him in this small, like probably like relatively small town that they seem to all hang out in the same groups in. How can I avoid this man for the rest of my life knowing that that will be an impossible task? Yeah. They so that 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 aspect of it I felt I, was, I I wasn't sure if the screenwriter thought that was a legitimate offer that she was turning down because of the sexual harassment right. vibes. Right. Or if the screenwriter intended for it to seem as insulting as it was. Yes. And I don't know and I don't care cuz the way that I'm yeah. Take it was that the screen like I'm just like no that's that's an insulting offer and I believe it in the world of this movie. Um, but one thing to her credit that she did science so well was that she uh-huh. uh, she did a Google search, yeah, went to a janky like GeoCities page, yes, and then found the information about the dino shark. And uh, like many a great scientist before her, once she realized what was happening and she had her aha moment. Yeah. She stood up, stared intently at the screen, and yep. then whipped off her top. Immediately, just, we, like, just looking so, you know, scared and, and intently at the screen, like, oh my god, maybe Trace was right, maybe this is a fucking, like, dinosaur shark, this could be a new species, people are in danger, people have been dying, shark comes right off. Yeah. Shark comes, and then just... Exits stage left. Like, just that. I was like, are we going to follow her somewhere? We did not. No. We immediately just cut to another scene. And it was like, oh. So, Jordan, <laughs> I want to I, I clarify something because you're not a scientist. I'm as, not a scientist. I as two-thirds of a scientist. I can't, I, you're right. I can't speak to this. Yeah. I will say that when you're thinking really hard, sometimes what happens is that your breasts heat up. No, from the exertion, from the science exertion. Really? And Karen, yeah. Karen in Mean Girls was right all along. She the, was. The power we have. So yeah, what happens is you're thinking super hard about science and then your breasts start heating up so you have to release them. Um, uh, otherwise, you'll have a total breast meltdown. And then you have another disaster. You have a second disaster, yeah. There's maybe no more room for another disaster. 
Exactly. And so to avoid that disaster, you just sometimes, I can't tell you how many times I've been like in the middle of, you know, looking at rocks and yeah. or being out in the field. And I'm just like, oh, this is so interesting. Look at this, this piece of granite here. And then as I start to analyze what the granite is, I just suddenly have to remove my blouse. <laughs> there, there it is. There it's it is. Just, I, that's, that's what it is. I would imagine the uh, hilarious viral TikTok of the paleontologist with staging a conversation between God and an angel about the yeah. meteor dinosaurs. How many times out in the world excavating bones has that young woman had to just take off her clothes? These backstories we don't know about scientists. It's true. And, you know, big science wants to keep it from everyone, but we're breaking yeah. this information right here. When you're a lady scientist and you're thinking too hard, it's just what has to happen. So you really have to take your accurate. top off. Yeah, accurate deeply, the reality index. Yeah, that was that moment that movie, this movie had me where I was like, yeah, you know what? Anything, the, a dino shark is possible because this man, the, the screenwriter has clearly done their research. Well, and I, I, you know, that being accurate, what I felt was less accurate about Carol Brubaker's attire mm. was how her commitment to wearing a wedge in every situation where it was like, no, you're out looking for dead people right now. Like yeah. right now you're on like an excavating mission. The amount of like, like not scandalously so, but just like quite short shorts and like a swim ensemble underneath a tank top or something was like, no, I'm not saying you wouldn't wear that. But I'm saying in the confines of this situation, I don't think you marine biologist would have thought to put this little number on uh, when there's uh there's life lives are in danger and you have worn a heeled shoe through the cobblestone streets of Puerto Vallarta and onto boat docks and just running about town. I was like, I don't know. I think Carol Brubaker would have been a little bit more thoughtful about her fashion choices. Yeah, I think I think Carol maybe um, had to. Like there, there was a lot. There were a lot of questionable options here. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if it was like her morning shoe once her friend Rita died. Yeah. And she was right. like, I must wear this wedged heel in honor of Rita, uh-huh. poor dead Rita. But it was, yeah, there were a lot of times I was like, not only does that not look like something that she would choose, it also doesn't look particularly like a, a comfortable choice. At it's all. not as if she's in the At water. All. She's yeah. in a lot of bathing suits for someone who never goes in the water, like, except for one scene. Yeah. Um, and just in terms of, like, you know, gynecological hygiene, that's not <laughs> comfortable. Give her right. a breathable fabric. Like, don't throw this woman into constantly into like bathing suits. That's not comfortable for anybody. And like, I understand Puerto Vallarta beach area. Like, yeah. she didn't seem she wasn't like she wasn't presented to us as like I'm here to take advantage of this environment. Like, like she was. She seemed like she worked a lot. It seemed like she would have worn a swimsuit to literally anything in the way that like a vacationer would. Yeah. And like, which one can do, but that didn't seem to fit the bill for her presence. And, you know, but like women were just in swimsuits in this dearly departed Rita, also in a swimsuit, but it's because she was intending to go to the beach of her demise. Yeah. Poor dead Rita. I felt so bad for Rita. One, I honestly didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah. No, it's, well, once she shows up on a beach alone, I was like, oh no. Yeah. The beach alone. Beach alone is never a good plan. Um, so she, poor Rita, she gets a brutal, like the deaths on this, credit where credit is due, deaths on this are properly like, 
we get some our bang for our buck on this one. A lot, a lot of people of, died, and it was pretty gnarly a lot of the times. Yeah. I was taken aback. A lot of heads being crushed like uh, watermelons. It was really yeah. satisfying. Yeah, there were a lot of crushed heads. Yeah. We, 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 like, Rita is discovered as half a body yes. lying on a beach that has just washed up ashore. And an artfully, an artfully added lower intestine, just as almost like an like the tilde over an N, yeah, just right man. below her, right below her torso, just hanging there, hanging out on the sand. And I was, I was just like, I love that they kept using the same footage of the dino shark over and over again. Yes, and just like remixed the thrashing in the water. It was the same like approaches from the deep every single time. Yeah, well, he's got a method that works, and he sticks to it. That's true. That's true. Look, Michael Phelps doesn't switch up his stroke all of a sudden. You know, he's not like, well, I'm the best swimmer in the world. I'm going to go start swimming like funky now. Dino Shark just, you know, he does it every time. When you're an apex predator, I guess, you you stick to what? You stick to the optimized. Yeah. Efficient strategy for what works. Exactly. So, yes, they did did reuse. There was a lot of times where the Dino Shark uh, footage was – you felt a little bit of deja vu. Yes. Um, but again, I am grateful for that versus so many of these movies that we've seen where we were like, it didn't feel like there was enough of the animal or it didn't feel like we really saw yeah. the disaster enough. I was like, no, I'm almost – Dino Shark, I'm almost sick of your face. Yeah, it was – the movie is only, of course, like an hour and a half and you see the Dino Shark a lot. Yeah. Which you should. You should see the Dino Shark in Dino Shark. Yeah, if, if it's in the title, if, it's, if he's the titular character – Exactly. You should see it would be like Ladybird without Ladybird. Like yeah, why yeah. why am I watching this film? Yeah, this is not Frank Sinatra has a cold, just give us the Dino Shark. Yeah. The Dino Shark has a cold. Which really which does look like it's got like a Tyrannosaurus Rex face on I don't know, like a tiger shark like body. A, a shark body. Hey, a shark on yeah. A shark. On, yeah. They keep being like, you probably just saw saw a a tiger shark. And like, we don't get a good sense of the size of dino shark. We do not. Dino shark changes size is a thing. Like the first glimpse you get of him, you're made to believe he's like jaws, like we're going to need a bigger boat size, like like the Meg kind of thing. But then he exits the water to kill somebody and you're like, oh, he's fairly, he by comparison, a bit petite. Yeah. Like, but then other times he looks like he's the size of an RV. So very much the size of the dino shark is in question. Yeah. I think the di- size of the dino shark is like sort of an, a necessity thing where the dino shark becomes as big as he needs to be. Because yeah. uh, like when he jumps out of the water in during this or the climactic sequence, because at one point they're like, we're going to trap him in the canals because um, there's canals around there and they're going to trap him in it. And – they set up a barricade and he takes one look at the barricade and then just like fully yeets himself out of the water. Yeah. Um, and jumps over. And he is the size, yes. An RV is a great description. Like the people are dwarfed. And I apologize right now if you hear a burbling sound. I don't know how p- well my microphone picks things up, but my dog's decided to play with the one toy he has that makes noise. Ah. Um, it's the the vaguely anti-Semitic fish. Um, <laughs> dino shark would never. No, dino shark. This is. I think I've talked about this toy on the podcast before. It, it says gefilte on the side, and then it like goes oy vey, and then it burbles. And 
he loves this toy so much. I've had to buy now three of them because he's killed the last two. Um, but it's horrible. Anyway, <laughs> I like I love it. Happy Be- New Year to you, Kit. Yeah, Mazel Tov, Kit. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so the 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 dino shark does definitely. Because, like, there's no way that sized shark would fit in the canals is kind right. of... Right, yeah. It, it's not, like, it seems like it would... It, it just wouldn't be physically possible. Yeah, it just the depth-wise. I can't imagine the canals were deep enough to fit a dino shark. But I also didn't have an issue with that in a weird way. No. But I was just like, no, it's a magical dino shark. I'm cool. Yeah, like, the idea... Like, it's come this far. Why yeah. shouldn't it have shape-shifting abilities like that? Exactly. It it look it hung out in. So we didn't even talk about the origins of Dino Shark. Oh um, right. Dino Shark's origins are that Dino Shark was part of a like a glacier or an iceberg. Well, it was a glacier. Yeah. The first uh, thing we see in this movie is a glacier chunk sloughing off. Which, as I say that, I'm like, that's the thing that makes the least sense because glaciers are made of fresh water, and ah. di- unless Dino and like precipitation, they're not made from. So glaciers don't form from like lakes freezing or from the ocean freezing. Mm -hmm. So there's no real way for dino shark babies to have gotten into a glacier and then froze. But anyway, it sloughs off the – and then it freeing multiple dino sharks. There were 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 multiple a dozen dino sharks. And of course, baby dino shark are – I would like to think our protagonist swims directly at the camera. Yeah. with like sort of a I'm gonna get you grin, which I really appreciated. Like, yeah, good ambition there, that baby Dino Shark. And uh, already knew it was on its way to big things. Yeah, that was that's Dino Shark. That's that's gonna be a mover and shaker one day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that little moment, it's like, well, you know what? If the Dino Shark can somehow manage to freeze himself inside of a glacier, then I fully believe. Like, who knows what that Dino Shark is capable of? Right. It's been a hundred some odd million years. Like, yeah. let let the dino shark experiment with the limits of physical boundaries. Because honestly, that makes it cooler to me. Yeah. I want a dino shark that is able to adjust his size depending on needs. Because, I mean, it like there's one point in this movie where they've like assessed finally that it's a dinosaur shark. And Trace McGraw is like, well, how are we going to kill this thing? It's like, well, so far you haven't, like, how, how do we kill this thing? It's like, I don't know, probably just kill it. Like yeah. you could have you could have blown up a dinosaur. You could have with large guns shot a dinosaur. Like they're the reality of a of a dino shark that is not like like the meg size, that is not the size of like a super yacht. Um it becomes beatable in its sort of scale even if like all these people are dying. You put the coastline on, and you don't want it to get away. You put the coastline on, you can save people. But give me something more menacing, like a special power, and that I'm super into. Yeah, and and I do want to point out, like we have no way of proving that dinosaurs couldn't shape shift. We don't. We don't. We can't. Like that can't be saved in the fossil record. Nope. Um, that's not something like we can a just. Great point. Yeah. So there's no way, and especially with a dino shark. Because sharks are not made of bones, so all right, we have yeah. from sh- all we have from di- from sharks, generally speaking, and I'm assuming with dino shark, the dino shark also, well, he has horns, so yeah. maybe the horn, well, the car- horns could be cartilaginous. I was going to so, say that, that seems like they could maybe be something else going on because there are well, because there are sharks that have those sort of horny things. I think. Uh huh. Okay. So okay, again, so going so the only thing that we have in the fossil record for like 
any sort of dinosaur dinosaur shark. That's not a thing. Any sort of shark is uh, <laughs> just like its jaws and teeth. Yeah. So we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know if it can shape shift. I don't know if I don't know if a T Rex could shape shift. Really. No, I imagine like I imagine this thing is just like a T Rex skull on top of a bunch of cartilage. That's entirely possible. We don't know. We don't. And like you said, nobody can prove otherwise. So this shark can be as big or small as it wants. Yeah. Um, I, I love that in this movie, I love how you find a bad guy in a disaster movie because you never really know where it's coming from. Yeah. And like a heel in this movie is like the guy who oversees the boat docks. Like he's oh, not. He's a boat way. police. He's Coast Guard. But, He's co- is he Coast Guard? Is that what like Victor? Yeah, yeah Victor's boat police. He's the he Victor's is the, boat police. So he's I think he's like the I think he's the coast technically the Coast Guard. Um, he does have authority. He, he is. He clearly seems to have some like practice. I think childhood rooted rivalry with Trace. I would imagine where, because Trace is twice his height. Yes, there is a moment where they are standing, presumably just next to each other on the same flat surface this plank on on uh, in the canals and he has a full foot on this coast guard man yeah and there's clearly a complex coming through there it was i don't know i still don't 100 percent know how they got them in the same shot uh, <laughs> and this isn't a knock on coast guard man no an actor or human this is just it's just how do, you, marking how do you frame that as a as a cinematographer um, but yeah, no, there's definitely like they they hate each other and Balfour and Trace is just the whole time is just goading him, which is like, well, you're right, cops are bad, but also like you're it's very personal. And I, I cannot like I the 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 actor who played this this Coast Guard guy was actually quite effective at being extremely annoying in a very believable, yeah. like little man syndrome kind of way. I he did a great job. Um but I was definitely – I could see his position when if all these people are dying – not that Trace would be a suspect. He was not – he was – that he was responsible for these murders of people getting ripped apart in the water. I was like, that's a bit too much to assume. But this idea that like, okay, we stopped the guy who rented this boat to you at the border with 40 pounds of marijuana – that would make him, I think, a bit suspicious as he is now operating the boat. Maybe they're in cahoots. Yeah. If people are in danger, it's a fraught situation. And if you're talking to this guy who you already don't like, and he's like, there is a dinosaur shark that is killing people. You don't like the guy already. You're going to be like, you're full of shit. I finally get to condescend to you. Pulling a gun on him was a bit much. But like that he didn't take him at face value. I was like... I can't begrudge a man not taking dino shark at face value and not and being suspicious about maybe a drug running operation between this like shitty sailor boy and the guy who just lent him a boat who absconded with a duffel bag full of drugs. Like yeah. that's fair. Oh yeah. That that line of thinking tracked 100% right up until the part where he was like basically suggesting that Trace somehow ate people. Yeah, that was like it, like, like right up until that totally, moment I was yeah, I was 100% totally like, believable that he would have been like you're full of shit, man. I was like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like looking just based solely upon how Trace dresses. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would also think he's part of like 
an amateur drug smuggling scheme. Especially yeah. like with the other guy who was basically Matthew Modine in uh, 47 Meters Down. Yeah, very like, much so. He had a very Matthew Modine vibe in that movie. Um, and he just like deuces out with a with a duffel bag and everything and like matching lug. It wasn't just a duffel bag. There was a matching luggage set. There did appear to be a matching set, yes. Yeah, to go with his Strokes t-shirt. Everything about that was just a choice. Um, and yeah, I, I was like, how do you not see that this dude is going to be running drugs, man? Yeah, that would have, I, I would have frankly thought he was kind of the head of the operation. Yeah. Um, but I did definitely question the judgment of taking the vendetta so far against your childhood rival that you're like, and also I think that you left Rita on the beach dismembered, like with half of a torso. Right. That was a real leap. Yeah. And I, I, but I also want to say Luis also at one point blames this whole situation on Trace as well. Luis clearly hates Trace. Yeah. Like his old, Trace's old friend Luis, who they clearly grew up together, like, you know, they used to go out and play hooky in the canals when they were kids. He greets him with, yes, tequila shots in the bar he owns, but also by being like, oh, come on, Trace, everyone knows you. You're just going to scam tourists. Oh, come on, Trace, everyone knows you. You're just going to be a fucking loser. Like, it was a really hard time he was giving him. And I don't think, like, I feel like it was meant to be more lighthearted in how we were supposed to understand it than it came off. But with the delivery of that and the kind of, like, rivalry that was immediately established between them, it's like, okay, when did he date the girl you liked or sleep with your girlfriend? Because you have a personal animus toward Trace to where you think this guy's a piece of shit and you would kind of be part of bringing him down if you got the chance. Yeah, no, he fully, like, there's a, there's a quiet, there's not even quiet. There's a, a, a strong resentment running through that thing. Very where just, much so. Yeah. Old wounds, old wounds between Luis and Trace that like, maybe Trace doesn't even know about. If this hadn't been a movie about a dino shark, the third act reveal would be that Luis was actually in on the drug running yep. and then he was yep. going to frame Trace for it and be like, it was totally always, right. you were always the golden boy here. Yep. And, yeah. That is completely the vibe that yeah. they established. Just a real, like everything that Luis has done in his life has been to prove that Trace, he's better than Trace. But at one point, point toward the, the end, he fully, everything was peaceful around here until Trace McGraw came back. Yeah. Like, man, I don't think, I think it's pretty anecdotal. Like, that seems like a coincidence <laughs> yeah. that Trace and the dino shark appear at the same time. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know that you can blame Trace on that one unless this is an ongoing thing of like, oh, every time Trace rolls up for vacation, some like people fucking die left yeah. and right. Like, this a cryptid comes back. Last time yeah. he was like, the chupacabra was menacing yeah, the, the town because of Trace. Remember, like, remember the junior year Cthulhu Trace? Do you remember <laughs> that, you asshole? <laughs> like, In which case, like, the dino shark reveal would not be shocking to anyone. No. They'd be like, oh, God. It, so In which case, Rita turned I would up love dead the Port of Vallarta. I would love the Roger Corbin Port of Vallarta anthology of Trace yes. and his disaster manifestation. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like in that uh, the movie with Anne Hathaway where she uh, keeps turning into Colossal. a Colossal. Yes. The, the excellent movie Colossal where the real monster is, well, I guess I won't say because it would spoil something and you all should see it. It's a very good movie. It is a really good I, movie. I think that we could probably cover that on this podcast. I think we absolutely could. Yeah, we're we definitely we're going to need a guest host for guys, Colossal. We're gonna need, guys, we're going to do Colossal in the future and I'm really excited all of a sudden. 
Oh, I love like I I knew what Colossal was about, and then I, and I watched it even like knowing the everything about the movie, and just what a good time. And I'm already excited to tell you all from my my vantage point what the movie Colossal was really about. I mean, I I I, I wrote a whole article about it. I think I read your article, and it was very good. Yeah, again, uh, I won't spoil it here, but I hope I hope we're teasing you sufficiently to get you guys excited. Um, so but- I guess, like, yeah, if you could, re- if you wanted to, like, what this movie was really about, and this isn't my what this movie is really about, but maybe, yeah. like, from Luis's argument, I guess maybe it could become that, like, the Dino Shark is his manifestation, right? That's his colossal. That's his. But- that's his creature. Which is like why it goes after specifically his childhood friends. Right, because, like, Rita clearly has a crush on Trace when he gets back. And they used to clearly digs Rita. Yeah. And so, like, boom, there it is. Yeah. He doesn't even like the Australian guy who comes to the bar. Boom. Sorry, Australian guy and girl he had at this huge house he was at. Oh, my God. That house – I was like – I as soon as they got to the house, I was like, we, can we take a 15-minute side mission just <laughs> tour this this house? I just want – him to take this this woman who he has brought he has brought to the house. He seems to have brought her down there. Um, yeah, without it be like it didn't necessarily seem like his house. He just brought her there, and like the way it was filmed, it was like, did you guys not get permission to be here? And you're just shooting in the backyard because you know no one's home. Yeah, that would be very believable, actually. That Which they just added were, yeah. to the joy to me. Yeah, no, I like that idea. Um, but I definitely <laughs> there were a lot of questions I had during that whole extended sequence where he's trying to seduce her and she's playing coy. And I'm like, lady, look, I am all for the whole thing of like, you know, say no. Limits are limits for a reason. What I will say is if you're brought down to a vacation home by a sleazy Australian dude, um, don't be surprised when the, right. the outcome because when, when you're eaten by a shark, when yeah. you're eaten by a dinosaur. Yeah. Like, you're going to end up getting pushed in the water by him because he's kind of a douchebag. Yeah, he's he's the guy who's definitely going to pick you up and throw you in the water. That was very telegraphed. A hundred percent. you know, if you're going to wear a bathing suit, the whole I don't want to get my bathing suit wet thing is like a – then I don't understand why you're wearing a bathing suit. Wear yeah. clothes. And I'm not trying to victim blame her here. No. In the sense of like, oh, she deserved any sort of assault or anything. I will just say, if you go down to Puerto Vallarta uh, with a sleazy Australian dude, you kind of have to expect that you're going to end up being eaten by a prehistoric shark. That's just like that a be basic logic minimum, thing. It's your bare minimum expectation. Really. Yeah. Like, you don't have to kiss him, but you should expect that he's, you're going to end up being eaten by a shark. <laughs> yeah. Take your gamble. Take your gamble yeah. on that. But your hat will be left floating in place uh, as, sort right. of, and, as sort of a, in a memorial to you. So that was that. Had a full day passed by the time Carol and Trace got to that house. Yeah, I think so. The hat still sitting, floating in the water, immediately next to the dock. Yeah, the the canal has no currents. None. None. It was like there was an anchor tied to that thing. Yeah, it was symbolic. But also, but also, and I, I can't prove that Dino Shark wasn't wearing the hat because. Because Dino Shark does as, as soon as they go to pick up the hat, Dino Shark's there. Yeah, he. You're right. He he, he left the hat as bait. Yeah, he could have left the hat as bait. That's he true. Like swam it back with his little fin and then ducked away. And then you know this giant alternately RV sized or pocket sized shark held waited just beneath the surface of the water to surprise Carol Brubaker. 
before slinking back away again, mm-hmm. leaving absolutely no physical trace that it was in motion, despite being perhaps the size of a Winnebago. Yeah, no, and and that's how you know that this is a really wily dino shark because yes. even noted marine biologist Carol Brubaker could not see it lurking just below the surface. Um, My and- question, I mm-hmm. have a question for you suddenly. There is a moment when Trace is in his boat and he's tracked the dino shark. Yes. And he starts firing on it with a rifle. Yes. Was he shooting bullets? Because that sounded like a fucking dart gun. Like, I was like, wait, does he have tranquilizer darts or tracking darts? Yeah. And if he doesn't, why does this gun sound like it's it's just shooting air out? That was the worst possibly fake possibly worst fake gun and accompanying gun foley I've maybe ever seen unless he was shooting something that weren't bullets I don't know you know at one point so at one point it was um, making like a Carol it was, yeah sound like what the fuck was that I don't know maybe that was supposed to be like the sound of it hitting the water at one point Carol is like we should tranquilize it we have to save it for science exactly like, that exactly. seems like a bad plan Carol um, like you can study a dead body. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I kind of just thought that was like maybe the sound of the bullets hitting the water, but I really don't know. That was very, that like, I, I, when I thought it was darts, I was like, okay, like, yeah, I get what he's trying to do. But then I was like, but I don't like, we haven't, we haven't established. And I feel like we would have that he would just have darts or tranquilizing mechanisms that he was armed with and then he gets pulled over by the boat police and they're like, you know, do you have a permit for that weapon? I was like, oh, okay, well they're talking to him like he has a dangerous gun and they're not asking him why he would have like non-lethal scientific study rounds. I don't know something. And it was, it was just like, why I, I was just like, man, they really, they cut off the Foley artists paycheck before he was able to create those effects. And so they all they had was the ambient noise captured of shooting an air rifle from a boat. Wouldn't it have been amazing if they had made um, Balfour do the sound and be like, pew, 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 like Laura Dern doing it with her little, with her blasters? That would have been satisfying. I would have been satisfied by that. I would have been like, you know what? This is a DIY operation. <laughs> You've got to save money for the dead bodies on the beach and the limbs floating, floating in the water. Eric, you're doing the, you're doing the pew, pew, pews yourself. <laughs> And they also had to save it. They had to save it all. They had to save all the uh, um, ordinance budget yeah. for the end of the movie when it becomes Eric Balfour on jet ski versus flying dino shark. Yeah. That is – so I had seen this movie before and that is the only thing I remembered about this film. It's I could a, not have told you. Everything else moment. was like was like watching for the first time. I had no memory of any of this. <laughs> but Eric, Eric on the jet ski, jumping off of it while like rocking guitar plays. <laughs> it is it, like there the, the the weapons in this movie are fucking ridiculous. Yeah, there's the weird. Is it a dart gun rifle? There is Luis uh, coming to the rescue, like attempting to come to the rescue. With a full-on fucking janky-ass-looking RPG setup. Like, he has it disassembled in a box in the back of his truck, along with a crate of, like... Of missiles. grenades. Yeah. yeah like, like, rocket-propelled grenades. 
and he like assemble he puts it together in the back of his truck and he like loads an RPG into the launcher and he's going to fire on the the shark from a distance cuz he sees the fin coming out of the water and it just could not look more like camo green painted spray painted like pvc plastic yeah and then we like the the final the final battle is eric balfour going up a wave on a jet ski which launches him into the air he jumps up off the jet ski as the dino shark is flying out of the water toward him we see like the mouth first shot coming at eric balfour and he with a quite low low effort look on his face hauls off and just pitches a grenade at the dino shark leaving it to somehow explode like they're closing in on each other they're getting closer he throws the grenade it explodes next to the shark bursts a hole in his side but eric balfour who is flying through the air at and past the dino shark seems to suffer no injury from the grenade blast that presumably went off in quite close proximity to him. Yeah, well, that's because he was wearing a life vest. <laughs> he is indeed not. I have the gif in front of me Oh, he's right not? Now. He is only in a classic white tank top. My bad. With an open, button-down, short-sleeve shirt. You're, okay, and my bad. Like, there's no shoes and cargo shorts. That okay, that tracks. Yeah, then then there's no explanation because a life vest <laughs> should have protected him from a grenade blast. Because that, like, I when it went off, I was like, I feel like Eric Balfour's pretty close, and that's a fucking grenade. And you know, he emerges unscathed, obviously. But I think this movie could have done a little more to, at the very least put him near enough to the blast to where the pressure of it going off then flung him backward, reversing his momentum through the air and blasting him backwards into the water. I think that would have been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or uh, Although if it had gotten to that point, you know he would have insisted that he be blasted backward onto the jet ski. Oh, that yeah, I, even better. Yeah, that he would have been like, better. I think my character would stick the landing. Like I think so. Yeah. Um, but he does. He does not get injured by that um by that that grenade blast. And that's really inexplicable, but okay. I was also surprised that because like you get the you get that open dinosaur mouth shot coming toward the camera. I totally thought it seemed like a real missed opportunity uh for the him to not squarely launch that grenade into the dinosaur's mouth allowing us to see its head explode yeah. for the final, like, you know, coming back, tying it all together from all the human heads, the dino shark crushed throughout the movie, then suddenly, boom, his head gets exploded off his dino shark body. Oh, that would have been really good. That Man, awesome. that would have been really awesome. Yeah, and that's I, a miss. I, I, we did, I, he did, dino shark did have to live so that Carol could get her final, like, superhero moment with her it's, with her exit line so, yeah carol 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 built up built built up to her departure she deserved she deserved a hero's exit yeah so there were at least like and, and so we haven't really talked about like most of the things about carol because carol's not really a character but at this no. point at this point carol has now experienced loss as her entire water polo team has, oh now been has now been traumatized. They all survive. Like, are, these, are these teens? They're like teens, yeah. And I think some of them die, right? I 
Because a couple girls get eaten and maybe they're from the opposing team. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They So creepy sexual harassing boss is like, we should hold a water polo tournament in the canals, which is a terrible plan for multiple reasons. Uh, primary amongst them, it's not a pool. Yes. Um, there's a current. You can't touch the bottom. No, that when he's like, oh, don't worry. Like, uh, it'll be fine. It's we've got it. We won't have any boats creating a wake in the in the area where there's gonna be a polo game. It's like you can't like this is not safe to just put these girls in open water. Yeah, like in deep fucking water playing water polo. Like you asshole, what are you doing? Yeah, and like who's gonna be like this? Seems like a fun thing to do. Let's all go down to the canal, which has no viewing area. So we'll just stand <laughs> around on a bunch of docks and yep. watch some teenage girls tread water and throw ba- through throw balls at each other's head. That was while really trying weird. not to drown. It was super weird, but it does allow the dino shark to get into the water polo tournament and wreak havoc. Um, and yeah, Carol jumps in and like saves one of the girls and no one else on the dock seems particularly concerned, which I thought was a really interesting acting choice. Nobody, by all the other reacting. Like it's clearly bad. Nobody's reacting. Yeah. Even like as the girls are being triaged on the deck and like covered in, in ketchup, um yes they like no none of the extras are like oh my god screaming running reacting they're all just kind of like standing around like whispering as if something <laughs> like as if this is something that like one of the girls did to each other and they're like oh my god can you believe it <laughs> Frank. um so yeah carol finally is able to make that turn where it's like now it's personal because she was before she was all gung-ho on um saving dino shark with a trank it's dart. It's true. That really does. That's her Rita moment. That's yeah. her inflection point. Yeah. So she finally now, Carol, is able Carol to- Carol Brubaker. I just love that. Able to take like a rocket launcher or whatever and just <laughs> yeah. fire it directly at Dino Shark, saving, yep. sh- saving Trace and the poor orphan child who just watched his parents be eaten. Oh my God. That's right. The orphan child. The orphan child. Which, like, I have to assume is now Trace, like, just by by the law yeah. of the disaster movies, I have to assume yeah. that that's now Trace and Carol's child. It's like when you it's like when you have, you know, in medieval movies, TV shows, somebody saves your life. You owe them your life, so you become their valet. Yeah. Uh, this this boy now belongs to Trace as he has saved Trace and Carol, really. Yeah. As they have saved him from Dino Shark following being orphaned. By the death of both of his parents. Both, so yeah. that's it. Poor, poor orphan child. He's going to be raised yeah. on a boat on a diet entirely of Pacifico beer. Yeah. <laughs> just, like a, just like a ship dog, really. <laughs> just like a trusty ship pet. <laughs> All right. I think that comfortably brings us to the time in our show when we discuss what this movie, Dino Shark, was really about. But uh, we will get to that after a brief intermission. Hey everybody, producer Jason here, and I'd like to welcome you to what will henceforth be our ad break. After making this show for over a year, we've finally decided to start opening up our doors. We're looking for sponsors who fit right in with what we and our listeners love, so if you're looking to get the word out to the ever-expanding legions of disaster divas, this is your only spot. Email ads at thatmightbecool.com to learn more. That's ads at thatmightbecool.com. Now, back to the show. All right, so uh, back at you now. Amanda, what do we think Dino Shark was really about? 
You know, Jordan, uh, I think this is a movie about how you can't go home again. Mm-mm. Too true for Trace McGraw. Too true. For Trace, there's a lot of, you know, Trace returns home and all of his childhood friends are eaten. Um, yeah. Carol returns home because we learned that Carol actually had, had grown up sort of at the research facility in Puerto Vallarta uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, with her parents who are both noted marine biologists. No word on if they were also noted uh, water polo coaches. Yeah. <laughs> Left unknown. That was That's a mystery for another day. But, um, but yeah, so she also returns home and finds that it isn't as she left it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most importantly, Dino Shark returns home. Because yes. you know, if you think about it, Dino Shark was alive and – if even if it froze up in the waters of the Arctic, mm-hmm. up by Alaska, when Pangaea existed, Alaska would have been down sort of more along the equatorial lines. Oh, good point. Good point. So really, Dino Shark sets out to return to his home waters yeah. and finds all sorts of anarchy and chaos. Like Dino Shark has a really sharp learning curve because Dino Shark learns really quickly that what boats are. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, and also like what a helicopter is. Yes. And yeah. Para- and what a parasailer is. I do have to say, real standout moment in this movie when the Coast Guard is touting the fact that they have a helicopter and they can go over the canals and find this thing from above and like apprehend it or kill it or whatever they're going to do. And then we just see a helicopter pass into frame. It's floating sort of at the top third of the screen. And then, of course, Dino Shark leaps from the water, grabs it by its little landing feet bar thing on a helicopter pulls it into the water and we just, we don't see it enter the water. We just see it exit the frame from the bottom of the screen. And then there's an explosion. It's quite great. Yeah. It's awesome. And I, I respect that Dino Shark learns because I don't need to know that every tin can has food inside of it. Right. But once I know that one tin can has food inside of it, I'm going to assume most of them do. Yeah, that's true. So I was like, yeah, good job, Dino Shark. <laughs> good learning. Um, but yeah, so even Dino Shark is like, I can't go home again. Where where are the, the mosasaurs I used to eat? Yeah. And I'd be like, now think about how much work this shark has to put into eating. Dino Shark's order- just trying to survive, man. Exactly. It's just like, where, where are my large species for me to eat? There's no T-Rexes for me to battle. I have to eat 17 teenagers. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Just to keep going. Like, uh-huh. the poor, poor Dino Shark. The only moment where there's like a thing it eats that could be sort of a semblance of normalcy is when it eats the crocodile. Yeah, and that must have been like, oh, I miss home. Yeah, yeah, this is familiar, and and I and and never, never, but I can't sustain myself on this alone. I will eat all of them. Exactly. So that's the thing is that there's you can't go home again. Whether whether you are Trace, you are a marine biologist backslash water polo coach, or if you are in fact a prehistoric apex predator, it's just (laughs) we must only move forward. Yeah. Um, and that is the lesson I personally took from Dino Shark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jordan, what about you? You know, I this movie hints at a, like a larger message where at one point, you know, we open with a chunk falling off of a glacier. Sure. And obviously the results of that are, you know, catastrophic loss of life in Puerto Vallarta. And Carol Brubaker says that her parents um, studied climate change um, at one point in their careers. So it, it lays the, it doesn't, ever do like a hit you over the head kind of message with what it's getting at, but it certainly lays the breadcrumbs down for what would be like, ah, what hath we wrought kind of thing, like getting at the climate catastrophe. But the thing I really, the thing I choose to focus on is I, this like this, this powerful grudge 
that Lewis clearly has against Trace and that Coast Guard Victor has against Trace and the clearly, like, unfinished story of Rita and Trace. I feel like there's a lot to be said here for um, a movie about being intentional in your relationships and being more attuned to the circumstances around you, the emotional realities of people around you. Because Trace seems like a good guy. But I feel like Trace maybe also just sort of like, you know, sly smiled his way through life in Puerto Vallarta and maybe like led some people on, maybe stepped on some feelings, maybe was a little careless with the people around, maybe did some casual bullying. This tall, handsome guy who has an easy charm about him. I'm not saying Trace was a bad guy. I'm saying that he was somebody who had a lot of growing up to do. But I think in the process of his growing up, and I hope going forward in Trace McGraw's life, he's more aware of that intention in his relationships and maybe sits down and goes, hey, you know this common thread between the Coast Guard guy not liking me and Luis clearly harboring a grudge against me? You know, maybe maybe the common denominator is me. And I should be more aware of how I affect people and move through the world. So I think that's something that we can take from Dino Shark. I really like that idea. That is really good. I I think we have a really substantial meaning of this movie segment today. Yeah. No, this is a movie about personal growth and personal accountability. Mm -hmm. And whether that personal growth is, you know, that you can grow larger and smaller depending on the circumstances or if it's Uh a more metaphorical personal growth. (laughs) Yeah. No, I like this. I really, I'm proud of us. Because we could have gone too. We could have gone patriarchy. We could have gone climate change. We could have gone, yeah. you know, the carceral state somehow. <laughs> yeah, you know, somehow. our usual our usual go tos. Yeah, yeah. No, we took it smaller, more intimate, and I, I respect us for we, that. We went local. Yeah, good for us. <laughs> now, did you dreamcast this movie at all? I did indeed. <clears throat> okay. And before what do you- I, so I'm going to tangent for just a moment. Because I've realized, and I realized this the other day when I was like, why do I know Eric Balfour? The and OC? I don't, what? The OC? No, I don't know how I know who Eric Balfour is. Like, I've realized this is just like, <laughs> I know who he is in this like large sense where I was mm. like, oh my God, Eric Balfour is in this? Right. But I don't actually, it's like, that is a note, a weirdly notable name for a dude who I could not name a single thing he has ever been in. Did you not watch The OC? I mean, I did, but he wasn't or in, like, like the Six first... Feet Under. I never watched Six Feet Under, no. Okay. Um, wow. But was he? But, but he wasn't like in the first two seasons of the OC. I'm like, I may have just invented honestly that he was in the OC, and maybe he wasn't. You have me questioning everything now. I mean, he has the he, look. He certainly has the uniform to be in the OC. You're right. He has like he was at, he was he was so defined a certain sensibility around that time. He was sort of just like the epitome of it. So it's like, of course, you knew him because you knew that sensibility. You knew that aesthetic. Right. But it's like. He transcended a specific role. Yeah. Um, So you would know him from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I definitely would. Yes. Uh, He was in 24, which would never have really put together. He may have. He probably wasn't even in the OC, honestly. I just made that up. No. He was not in the OC, Jordan. (laughs) Incredible. You know what? He embodied the OC is really. Yeah. That's what it was. 
This is now an incredible topic of conversation. If you had told me like, oh, he was Ryan's shitty like ex-friend who rolls back in and tries to scam uh, Seth's family, I would 100% have believed you. Like he was Logan Marshall Green's best buddy and they rolled into town from from Chino together. Yeah. So let's just go through this one real fast for his filmography. What Women Want hit the role of Cameron. I don't know who that is because that was neither Mel Gibson nor Helen Hunt. Mm. America's Sweetheart. Role of security guard. Uh huh. Secondhand lions, the role of Sheik's grandson. Uh huh. We're now to 2003. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Kemper. Definitely remember that. Uh, 2005, Be Cool. His scenes were deleted. <laughs> 2005, In Her Shoes, the role of Grant. I don't know. No one who remembers that. Who cares? I did um, watch 24, but he was in quite a few episodes of 24. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. This is just filmography. Let me see about – I just realized I was looking at films. Let me see about TV shows. Uh, yeah. No, he was – oh, he was in the OC as Eddie – in three episodes. Okay, I knew he was there at some point. Yes, he was in three episodes, and he played Milo, so he had a recurring role in, in 24. Right. But, like, what I find fascinating is that his level of saturation in my head... Yeah. Like, he never is, except for 24... Oh, and the show Haven. That's what a real f- testament to the power of Eric Balfour. Yeah. The only thing that he ever had a lead role in... <laughs> Christine, I don't know what, no, that's recurring. Yeah, literally just, it was the only thing he had a main role in was a Canadian show called Haven. (laughs) And and a show called Valamont. Like, no, this is not, he is not real. So anyway, the reason I bring- Are you keeping him? No, the reason I bring this up is that it's absurd to me that Eric Balfour has a level of- cultural saturation that you could believably play a character named Trace McGraw. Yeah. Because there's only one other man in the entire world. I take the fact there are two men in the (laughs) entire world other than Eric Balfour who could believably play Trace McGraw. And those two people starred opposite each other in a film that is beloved by both you and me, Hobbs and Shaw. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Um, But in this case, it definitely could be... um, Short, angry man who punches a lot. What's his name? British man. Oh, Jason Statham? Yeah, it could be Jason Statham, but it's Jason not. Jason Statham is perfect. He's great. But in this case, if you're going to have someone go up against Dino Shark, it's got to be The Rock. Okay, yeah. No, that's like, of course logical. Of playing course. Trace McGraw, he of course gets the final the final ending line yeah. of welcome to the endangered species list, bitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course. Yeah. He is, but there is only one man who can believably play like an expat on a boat who returned, like, he's kind of just, like, bopping around. He's got his The Rock smile. And yeah. he personally fistfights Dino Shark. Um, yeah. And, and in a non-romantic sense, because we love that The Rock kind of, like, platonically has women on screen with him, um, Carol will be played by a woman, the only person tall enough to play opposite The Rock, Elizabeth Debicki. Oh, my God. <laughs> So The Rock and Elizabeth Debicki being allowed to be her tall self. Yeah, I uh, and I, I could see her as a water polo coach. Yeah, they will. They will personally, the two of them, one two punch Dino Shark. Um, she, she deserves her action breakout days. So absolutely, I, she I does. accept it. So that's that's how I'm fan. I'm making Dino Shark like a big budget 
this is there's going to be multiple action sequences. Things are going to blow up. It's going to be great. Okay. Um, the the hotel owner is definitely going to be brutally eaten by a shark because he does not get his comeuppance. No, he really deserves it. No, and he will get his comeuppance. There might be like a drug running subplot. I don't know. But point is, the rock's going to punch a shark in the face. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Okay, That's so Jordan, a good answer. How are you? How are you casting this one? I I want to keep. Eric Balfour in the lead because okay. I'm not taking that from him. And <laughs> who I'm going to make Carol Brubaker though, I'm going to go OC style and it's going to be Misha Barton. Oh my God. Misha Barton is Carol Brubaker, coach of water polo ladies and marine biologist, possible social planner for a resort in Puerto Vallarta. And we're going to make the we're gonna age down the creepy resort owner, but make him no less creepy. And I'm gonna cast <clears throat> Matthew Morrison, aka Mr. Shoe from Oh Blade, my god, that's in, a creepy casting in the right role, there. In the role of too familiar uh resort runner. Uh Roger Corman will stay the doctor. I'm kind of just letting the friends stay the friends. Yeah, let them have their moments. Yeah, I letting the friends stay the friends, but like I really am ex- I really love the universe in which Misha Barton and Eric Balfour come back together for Dino Shark. I I'm excited for everybody involved <laughs> yeah, in this film. Me too. Me too. Oh yeah. Oh, Matthew Moore and Matthew Morrison is as a creep is inspired casting. I think it really we haven't it's not talked about enough how effective he would be in that role. Yeah, in so that creepy. archetype. Oh yeah. Yeah, and in my head, like, this is definitely set in 2009. Yeah. This is still a period piece. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, Misha Barton will be wearing layered, strappy tank tops. (laughs) Oh, yeah, a wedge everywhere. Yeah. Bikinis all the time. Oh, bikini under the tank top. That's yeah. the requirement. Yeah. That's the requirement. That's how we flat iron, Flat iron hair in the humid Puerto Vallarta sun. Like, why not? (laughs) Oh, I would I would also like I want both of these films to exist. I do too. I would I would be very happy. I would be entirely happy with both of them for their own unique value. Yeah. No, they bring they each bring something special to the table. Um and man, I mean if nothing else, just to have Misha Barton, you know, reciting lines about dino sharks would be really I'm, satisfying. I'm saying. I'm saying. Yeah. I, I credit I guess where credit is due that she hasn't um her agent hasn't convinced her yet to take a role like that. Yeah. I I mean she's made a lot of um she's made a lot of uh like low budge horror. Uh-huh. But we need more disasters from Misha. Yeah. No, I think I think Misha could could, could arguably be a scientist that no one is listening to. If we can have if we can have Tara Reed as like a paleontologist specialist, archaeologist yeah. specialist in what is it like after dark, then we can have Misha Barton as a geophysicist saving the world from a compounding series of natural disasters. Absolutely. She can be in my new movie that I'm writing. (laughs) Problem solved. Now, where does that, speaking of next movies, what is No, Jordan, we're missing towering infernos here. Oh my God, you're right, you're right. Okay, yes. All right. What, how do you feel? I- I'm curious. I kind of love this movie. Okay. Like, I, it was a perfectly good time. We had our bang for our buck with <coughs> um, and appearances of Dino Shark. I yeah. loved the, like, even the fact that they recycle the opening sequence at the end. Yeah, very much. Very like, much good. 
for this, like, at, to the point where you're watching it, it's the exact same sequence. You're like, did the movie start over? Yeah. And it ends with yeah. Dino Shark swimming directly at the camera again because it's shot for shot the same exact sequence. Yeah. I found that weirdly charming. Um, I'm actually going to give – I'm really high on this. I'm going to do three, three and a half star, uh, Towering Infernos. Wow. I, I would watch this again I and probably not remember anything from it and watch it again like I did last time. I you know, I would watch it again as well, and that's why I'm giving it a, a three. Yeah, good, um, good. The, the acting in most cases is, like, catastrophic in the side roles. Oh, atrocious. I'm, I'm all for Eric Balfour in this. I, 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 I you know, I, I want him to thrive. Uh, I haven't heard anything that should make me feel otherwise, but, you know. I, yeah, I was just pending. wondering, is Eric Balfour shitty? Because I, yeah, like, I don't think I feel like anything. he could be, I don't know. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, because he is so good at looking devious, I don't want my brain to like start slandering in a way that it shouldn't. But as of now, I, I, I want him to, you know, have his ominous face and make money off of it for a very long time. Uh, Playing things like ship's captains who are uh, put in extraordinary, very much like Jack Burton, like just an ordinary guy put into an extraordinary situation and has to like fucking handle it himself. Yeah. Um, I will go, I will go three. I will go three on this one. I will like considering the kind of, uh, you know, sci-fi style movie that it was, it executed well within its confines. We got to see a lot of the creature. Um, we got a great, we got a great exit line from Carol Brubaker. We got a lot of grisly deaths. Uh, we got a lot of like institutional incompetence. Yeah. I had a good time. Yeah. I, I got to say, by the way, yeah, it's a great time. And just to reassure all of us, I just searched Eric Balfour's uh, Twitter page and he is super liberal. Um, he, <laughs> his pinned tweet is about the Surfrider Foundation. Um, he retweets Indivisible and uh, he's like pro. Yeah, he's he's very pro voting and uh, pro saving the oceans, which feels on brand for Eric Balfour. To yeah, be like, I like that. To have the his header is seashepherd.org, uh, uh, defending ocean wildlife worldwide. It has a very scary, like grim reapery icon, but uh-huh. um, good for him. Yeah, good. M- much better, much better than uh, his fellow uh, OC side character alum pool with uh, Samara Armstrong recently. Oh my god, going long on Instagram about how she's voting Trump and how that's the right thing to do. Yeah. And how like I I don't know, racism isn't real or something like that. So good for Eric Balfour, we appreciate you. Yes, Eric Balfour it should replace the Eric was it Eric Banna? No, wait. No, Eric Banna is good. Eric Banna's fine. No, who am I thinking of who Oh, there's another like <laughs> made for TV movie guy who really sucks, like aggressively sucks. That's not Kevin Sorbo? Oh, no, but also Kevin Sorbo. That's yeah. the thing. That's why I was like, Ugh, maybe Eric Balfour, like I should have probably searched this. But no, good good news. He's not like the rest of the terrible made for TV movie guys. <laughs> yeah. um, Eric Balfour, a, a progressive king. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that brings us to next week's episode. Uh-huh. Which we are, Jordan, we're going down under four. Thank God. My, some of my favorites of all time. God bless Australian genre cinema. I know. And we're, so we're, we're get, taking it back. We haven't done a, you know, like a foreign disaster in a while. Um, and so we're doubling up on the animal disasters this week back to back. And we're going with 
the 2007 or 2008 film Rogue, an Australian movie about a hungry apex predator tracking Michael Vartan, among others. Wait, is uh, this yeah. not the one about the uh, teenage girl with like a white streak in her hair that can't touch people? No, 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 no. That's that. They've never, Alternate- don't be ridiculous. Marvel has never made a movie about a female lead character. <laughs> we don't count I mean, Captain America or this Captain, brief, or Captain this Marvel. Larson erasure is offensive. We're to not me counting personally. that. We're not We're counting not that counting because it. that's that's not it's a. Not I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You guys like Captain Marvel. Okay, yeah. progressives. Yeah. <laughs> own the, d- erase Captain Marvel to own the lives. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> no, uh, Rogue, but yeah. Rogue has a Rogue has such a cast. Rada Mitchell, Sam Worthington, Michael Varton. It is directed by Greg McLean, who um also, if you're a horror fan, you will know him from his work like um Wolf Creek. Uh, and the Belco experiment, and courtesy of Wolf, Wolf Creek, he brings you the actor John Jarrett uh, as a as a classic uh, rogue roguish man himself in the Outback, wily figure in the Outback. Uh, and so this this movie's a fun time. I have seen it. I really like it. Um, and I think did yes, John Jarrett also the scrappy, uh, inappropriate, charming, drunk dad. In the movie Boar, the father of the of the bar owner in Boar, who is lo- who is um uh mourning the loss of his wife years ago still, and just gets drunk with his buddy in the outback all day when he's not making inappropriate comments to his daughter about the pretty <laughs> ladies he sees on the street outside of her bar. So yeah, turn out for John Jarrett, Greg McLean, and some Australian uh creature disaster fair. Yeah, and so you can find this. Um, it is available for purchase on YouTube. It is available for purchase on Google Movies or Google Play or whatever it's called. Yeah. It is also, if you search on YouTube, it is also on YouTube, potentially in a, in a just download. Um, <laughs> now, we recommend- There's ways to find it. There's ways to find it. We would never suggest that you watch an upload of a film and not pay for the film. Of course, but certainly. if that's a choice that you make, we are a non-judgmental type. Yes, we're just we saying. We won't talk about it. The choices are there. Make the choices that you choose. Yeah, you know, choose your choice. <laughs> choose, choose, choose your, your choice. character. Choose your uh, character. So yeah, so uh, that I guess wraps up our episode. Yes, Jordan, tell us about where we can find you. Can we listen to you anywhere else, Jordan? What's going on in your life? <laughs> there is a place uh, you can listen to me. In addition to this great podcast, Disaster Girls, I am. Uh, currently producing and hosting a limited series podcast called A Simple Podcast that is entirely dedicated to the movie A Simple Favor with my co-hosts Alana Bennett and Christina Grace Tucker. Uh, We just wanted to celebrate this movie and talk about how more people should have outwardly loved it. And Paul Feig was good enough to agree to be on it. So you can look forward to him in an upcoming episode with some other special guests that we have been surprisingly able to secure who are also a part of the production. Um, we're having a lot of fun and it's going, uh, good surprises can happen in 2020. Apparently I, I had forgotten. Uh, and then you can also <laughs> find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J O R C R U. And then I'm Patreon, patreon.com slash Look at all the places you can find me. 
There's so much. You just you can have such a saturation of Jordan in your life. I, you it, can. It's basically like being in a group text with her. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, as as someone who's in several, I can tell you, it is a lot like being on a podcast with her. Yeah, and like my my, I, I assure you all, my frequent yelling is embodied by all caps texting regularly. Yeah, there's an entire text thread that Jordan and I have with a couple of mutual friends that have now, it's just entirely become, one has finally converted herself to a Taylor Swift fan. Took and a so long that, time. It's, it's long taken time. literally the entirety of their friendship. And it was never going to be me who did it. She had to come to it on her, on her own, Marin, friend of the show. Yeah. Um, and so so that thread, which used to be about like other things in our lives, has now just exclusively... <laughs> exclusively become a place where any of us go with Taylor Swift updates. Which is a big thing for me because me and Marin previously couldn't speak about Taylor Swift at all. Yeah. Because she was so... um, Anti-Taylor Swift. Yeah. And I am so pro-Taylor. And given my defensiveness of of Taylor as a beloved pop figure, the best choice was for us to just not communicate about her at all, lest I lose my temper and say something I regret. Yeah, I know, and that's it's a big turnaround having anyway. Huge. Anyway, it's a huge this is a thing that Jordan and I have yet to fully discuss about huge. like Jordan's level of joy beyond my texting Jordan. <laughs> I texted Jordan in all caps when we got the the message from Marin saying that she is a, now a fan. I texted Jordan separately in all caps going, "Oh my god, Jordan, have you seen?" So And I and I wrote back to the thread and was like, "Is this a prank cuz it's a shitty one?" <laughs> Like, I don't appreciate this if you're funning me right now. So the but point of not, it is, the point of this being that if you if you take in Jordan's Patreon, if you listen to a simple podcast, if you listen to our podcast, all three things, it's sort yeah. of like you really get the full scope yeah. of a you friendship created, with Jordan. You created the 3D model of me. Yeah, you really, you it's, it's, it's a choose your own adventure of being friends with Jordan. Yeah. And Jason, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jason Halftones, where I'm just just doing all sorts of uh, uh, posts of comic art and stuff like that, and also ranting about um, bidets and obscure Mountain Dew flavors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, a full a full spectrum of Jasonhood. Yeah, bidets are really <laughs> coming to America, so I get that. Buddy, oh my God. I here, and I'm I'm not going to take much time at all, but just just think for one second. This is my entire proposal. Oh my God, are we doing this again? <laughs> if your hands were covered in human feces, yeah. you would not use toilet paper to clean them. That's, That's all I'm true. saying. That's it's not wrong. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Amanda, Amanda has you, left the chat. Neither of you can see me, but for the entirety of this, my head was just in my hands <laughs> because I can't believe that we are for a second time in this podcast. For a second life, time, just hey. letting Jason turn this into. <laughs> fucking bidet off again. <laughs> it's important. It's important. I think everyone needs to have a clean butt. That's all. I th- that's a fine PSA. Thank you, J- <laughs> Jason. Thank you. <laughs> and Amanda, you didn't discuss where we could find you. I I might just go to the mountains. Yeah, um, <laughs> she's going off grid. I I am findable on Twitter. Uh, I'm Amanda R. Tubbs. That's Tubbs with two Bs. Um, and that is Entirely, when we talk about the scope of Jordan, the scope of Jason, the entirety of my existence is really just boiled right the fuck down to my life on Twitter. <laughs> you can't it's find a, it's me. A concentrated dose. Of you can't interest. find me anywhere else. You will find the things that I care about, the things that I love, 
and maybe way too much thinking about baseball players' butts. Um, <laughs> Seems like someone's – there are two people very focused on butts here, so it's hardly one – one could hardly cast stones at another for it. The difference is, is I'm not talking about the cleanliness of their butt. That's true. You're not. I'm, well, you not, know what? I'm not talking about – the potential of E. coli, like but you know what the Charmin bears are accosting I us with this trash. Charmin bears, the yeah. The Charmin bears have changed the culture in this way. So I hate the Charmin the bears Charmin bear. so much. I, I hate the Charmin bears, and you know what? Fuck the Shantix turkey too. <laughs> oh my god! I just want to point out. I don't know if you remember this, but this is the exact route that the last conversation that we had about. <laughs> it was Jason talking about the days, remember, and then it was amazing. Jordan saying bringing up the Charmin bears, and then I loudly exclaimed how much I hate them because I hate having to think about bear assholes. Yeah, it's true. And then you also brought up the Shantix turkey, and then I brought up my headcanon about the Shantix turkey. Not, <laughs> not oft vilified enough Shantix turkey. Where I believe I that Shantix turkey is Ray Liotta's for, <laughs> right. persona. That Ray yeah. Liotta is a were turkey, and then Jordan in this podcast conversation was like, "Oh, you know, there's a movie about were turkeys." Yeah, Blood Feast. There we go. So Look, I don't know every- the other podcast that this is a part of, but I do know for a fact this happened like early on in this our podcast. This is podcasting. in our canon. This is in our canon. This every like- episode is someone's first, and sometimes <laughs> we need to be reminded about all of these. That is things. true. <laughs> the thing yeah. that's wild is I'm pretty sure it was right around this time of year last year as well that we had this conversation because I'm pretty sure it was like a very early episode. So this is like our once a year, right around Rosh Hashanah conversation. Yeah. It's a new year. Your, yeah, we need to start your new year off on the right foot. Taking Shana Tova, may you have a sweet and clean anus. Exactly. <laughs> Jason's like, my point exactly. My yeah. point exactly. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter. We're disaster underscore pod. You can find us. You can email us at disastergirlspod at gmail.com. I don't know why I bring that part up. We're never going to. Who, who sends emails? Um, and <laughs> apparently the TikTok teens hate them. So really? Yeah, I, I get like I, I my sister had a 17 year old intern over the summer at her work and he was like. I feel like we should just like get rid of email and just like commute communicate via DM. He was also a terrible employee and 17 years old. So I hate everything. About, oh my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> communicate via DM is yeah, maybe- just DM like, like snap and tick and like, and like Instagram and stuff. That was his suggestion. I all communications. I don't, I, I don't understand this child. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you can DM us. Like, that's very welcome. Please slide yeah. into our DMs. Um, we just also don't want to eliminate email. Uh, yeah, that's all the places you can find us. And we'll be back next week with Rogue. See you guys then for some more Apex Predators. Yeah. Bye. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know.